This is Dr. Jerry Tolbert. Time for another episode of Here's to Your Health. I know the last time I mentioned talking about ears today, however, this came up in conversation and I decided that it was a very important topic that I really needed to talk about. And in keeping with this idea of making these a little more informative and perhaps even a little bit longer so that they'll last for an average exercise session, but still keeping them under control, I decided to talk about something that as a primary care physician I deal with on a pretty regular basis. I'm going to talk about the difference between an allergy, a side effect, and an expected effect of a medication, and why it's important to understand the difference between the three, as well as what type of reaction you yourself have, so that you can better present that to your physician and to the healthcare team that's taking care of you. As always, we first need to define our terms. In this case, we define allergy, or as it's called in medicine, a hypersensitivity reaction, as an unnatural response to a natural stimulus. Most of the time, those stimuli are coming from outside the body. You get into a patch of poison ivy, you inhale ragweed pollen, you take a medicine. Those trigger a response of your immune system out of proportion to the actual threat. Your body ramps up production of white blood cells and other markers that it uses to protect against invasion from outside and causes you to have a reaction. In some cases, it can be as little as itchy eyes or a runny nose or a rash on the skin. In other cases, it can be as bad as decreased blood pressure and swelling that causes you to stop breathing. While I've oversimplified the process a bit, the idea still remains the same. Your body is responding to an outside stimulus and causing a reaction that is out of proportion to what's happening. When we talk about medications, we also talk about something called side effects and intended effects. The intended effect of a medication is exactly that. When we give a medicine, we want it to do something. And in this case, we want it to do something that changes your body. We give medicines like antibiotics in order to fight infection with bacteria. We give blood pressure medicines to lower your blood pressure. We give diabetes medicines to help control your blood sugar. That is their intended effect. There may be a certain mechanism that the drug accomplishes that then leads to the lowering of blood pressure or the, the controlling of blood sugars. Regardless, what we're looking for is an effect, and we want the medicine to, to do that. When we talk about a side effect, that is another effect that the medication may have, apart from that intended effect, but that is caused by the medicine itself and not by your body's response to the medicine. For example, many antibiotics cause nausea or stomach upset. That's a side effect of the medication itself, not an intended effect or an allergy. Other side effects can actually be more significant or serious like changes to your red blood cells, or things like liver failure. While not an allergy, there's still a reason not to take that medicine again. So the real question is, why is it important to differentiate these things? And what does this really mean? What, why is this an important thing to even talk about? The short answer is, it affects every aspect of your healthcare when it comes to treatment. As a physician, we really want to know what it is that you're having a reaction to, as well as what kind of reaction you're having. If you have a rash with an antibiotic like penicillin, that's an important allergy to understand, but it's far more significant if you have something called anaphylaxis, where your blood pressure drops and you could potentially even die. In the former case, where it's just a rash, there are antibiotics that may be related to penicillin, things like 
cephalosporins, which are another class of antibiotics, that we may want to use if you have an infection. They're relatively safe, and the risk for what we call a cross-reaction, or an allergy to a medicine of a similar family, is relatively low. However, if your allergy to penicillin was anaphylaxis, we definitely don't want to give you anything that may be even remotely related to penicillin unless we absolutely have to. The risks are just too high when it comes to things like anaphylaxis. It's also important to note if you're having a side effect with a medication versus actually having an allergy. For example, medicines from the family of blood pressure medicines called ACE inhibitors can actually cause a cough as a side effect. It's not an allergy to the medicine, but it can definitely be something that interferes with your daily life. It's important for us to know that you're having it so that we can change the medicine to something that may not have cough as a side effect and can potentially keep you taking the drug where you might have stopped if the cough was too much to handle. It's not an allergy. The medicine isn't going to kill you, but it is an annoyance. While the differences can be pretty subtle, it's actually important to know exactly what kind of a reaction you have to a medication so it can be put in your medical chart. It's also important for pharmacies that you use to have a list of those allergies so that you have a buffer when it comes to other medicines that may be prescribed in the future. Seemingly unrelated medicines like sulfa antibiotics and a blood pressure medicine called hydrochlorothiazide can sometimes cause a cross-reaction. If you've had a bad reaction to sulfa antibiotics, it's probably wise not to take hydrochlorothiazide unless you absolutely have to. It's also important to note that allergies can be fluid throughout your life, and it may take multiple exposures to something before you develop an allergy. As a child, you may have penicillin or its cousins multiple times and not develop any type of reaction. But later as an adult, you might develop a, a, re, a reaction or an allergy to penicillin that could potentially be life-threatening. That's why it's always important to keep an ongoing list of those allergies, whether on your person or with your physician or in a place that other people can get access to. One of the other things to keep in mind is that not all side effects occur for all people. Most comedians actually have a bit about the side effects that are listed for the medications that you see advertised on television. There's a good reason for that. Most drugs carry a list longer than your arm of all of the different types of reactions that people can have to the medicine. Those effects oftentimes vary based on weight, disease, age, gender, ethnicity, and even other medications that you might be taking at the same time. So it can be very difficult to predict which side effects that people will have. There are some side effects that might be genetically mediated, and there are a few tests out there to check for those types of side effects, but they're very expensive, and oftentimes the side effects are so rare that testing for them just really isn't indicated. That may change in the future as our testing prices come down and as the types of tests that we have become more ubiquitous. The problem that we run into is that these side effects can also be things that just happen during the course of testing for the drug. That's why a lot of drugs have nausea, fever, hair loss, fatigue, shortness of breath, among others, listed as possible side effects. If one patient in a clinical trial for a drug has a heart attack, possible heart attack has to be listed as a side effect for that drug, whether it was related to the medication or not. So sometimes reading the list of side effects may not be the best when it comes to knowing which side effects you personally may have. This actually brings us to a discussion of something that, while I enjoy talking about it, it can sometimes be difficult to understand, and that's the epidemiological discussion of causality versus correlation. When we talk about medications and their side effects, one of the things that we have to be very clear about is whether or not the medication itself actually caused the side effect. And it can be very difficult to establish what we call causality. Think of it this way. When we talk about causality, event A leads to outcome B. I hold fire to a piece of paper, 
the piece of paper catches on fire. I caused that piece of paper to catch fire because I held the flame up to that piece of paper. Correlation means that the two things happened at the same time. The sun rose this morning, and I woke up, but I didn't wake up just because the sun rose. Oftentimes, the problem lies in the fact that there are multiple factors that can lead to not only side effects, but also direct effects of a medication. What we're talking about there is the difference between causality and correlation. The same holds true when we talk about medications. Just because you're taking a medication, it doesn't necessarily mean that that medication is the cause for some symptoms you might be exhibiting. In fact, oftentimes the body's response to illness or infection is misinterpreted as a side effect of a medication you might be taking. It's always important to note the time frame in which the side effects occurred, as well as the presence or absence of side effects, or the presence or absence of those same effects prior to starting the medication. For example, a rash on the arm that showed up in other places after starting a medication doesn't necessarily mean the medication caused the rash to spread. There is a time correlation, meaning the two did occur around the same time. However, there's no way to prove that the medication is what caused the rash without further scientific study. Typically, we talk about in terms of epidemiology, which if you don't know, that's the study of the distribution and patterns of health events and their causes and how they influence population. We talk about something called Koch's postulates or Cox postulates. You may have heard about them in microbiology class or biology class in high school. Essentially, they're used to determine whether or not a microorganism like a bacteria or a virus caused a disease. But you can also use them in terms of determining whether or not an event is caused by a, another event. And they hold some very specific truths that can be used to determine or at least indicate causality. The first, the people that have that side effect need to be taking the medication. This doesn't always hold up, but essentially what it means is in a majority or a large proportion of the people that are taking the medicine, there should be an evidence of that side effect. The second is you should be able to prove that the person is taking that medication. The third is that if you take somebody who hasn't been taking the medication and you give them the medication, that you may sometimes induce that side effect. And the fourth would be that if you take the medicine away, wait for all the side effects to clear, and then reintroduce the medicine and the side effect reoccurs, that is a one way that you can show that there is a potential cause relationship there. Now, it's very difficult in actual practice to do this most folks don't want to take a medicine again if it caused them to have a stomach upset or caused them to have palpitations or racing heartbeats, those kinds of things. So it can be very difficult to establish and prove causality. In fact, we never prove uh, much of anything when it comes to science. Most things are theories until disproven. And even at that point, it's difficult sometimes to show that there is no relationship at all. Think of all the studies that you've seen that contradict each other that come out over the course of a couple of years. Coffee's good for you, coffee's bad for you, coffee's good for you again, and so on. So what we've talked about, it's important to establish whether or not this is a, a caused relationship or a what we call a correlation, meaning that the two just happen to occur at the same time. It's important to note what type of reaction you're having to that medication. And it's also important to notice and to report on any time that you have those types of interactions when you have multiple medications on board or if you've just started two medications at a time. In fact, as physicians, we often hesitate to start more than one medication at a time just in case you do have bad side effects and we can then isolate which medicine may be responsible. It's important to keep a list of those medications that you may have allergies to and what type of reaction you have. That way, anybody who's taking care of you can have access to that information.
So we've talked about the stuff that's relatively non-controversial, pretty scientific. Now for the controversial part. There are some allergies that are listed to medications on several patient charts, and this isn't anybody specific. There are lots and lots of people that list these allergies, but they're things that you physically cannot be allergic to by definition of allergy. The first would be medicines we use for allergy, things like Benadryl or steroids. The reactions that you have to those aren't truly allergies. They're what we call adverse reactions or side effects. The one caveat is that you can be allergic to components of those medications, which is actually important. If you take Benadryl and you have an allergic reaction to the red dye that is in some forms of Benadryl, that's an important reaction and that's something we need to know about. But if you take Benadryl and it makes you sleepy, that's not a allergy. That's a side effect. The same with steroids. Oh, I felt like I was going to go crazy. That's not an allergy to a steroid. It's a reason not to take a steroid, but it's not an allergy. And we use these terms very specifically. We, you know, we are scientists as physicians, and we use our terms in ways that are very specific to what we do. When we talk about lethargy, when we talk about allergy, when we talk about all kinds of different words, they have very specific meanings in the medical community that they may not carry in the general population. Also know that when you have a list of allergies that you should probably have a list of medications that you don't tolerate or intolerances. That's another and better word for what occurs when you have a medicine that really shouldn't be causing an allergy or has an effect that you just don't like. Another example would be things like epinephrine. One of the allergies that I've seen to epinephrine is racing heartbeat. That's actually a normal reaction. In fact, we give epinephrine to speed up the heart rate. So it's important that you know that that some things that you consider an allergy may not be truly an allergy. Um, and it's best not to get offended when the doctor brings that up, but instead to clarify what you mean. Always be prepared to state what type of reaction you have to a medicine and what type of reaction you have to uh, any kind of treatment rather than trying to argue about the fact. One of the other things that can be important for a physician to know is how old you were when that first reaction occurred. If you had a reaction to penicillin as a small child and it just involved a rash, there may be a chance that you weren't allergic to penicillin. A lot of viral illnesses used to be treated with penicillins, and most viral illnesses when you're young can develop something called an exanthem or a rash that occurs that people can sometimes confuse for an allergy to the penicillins. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have penicillin. It just means that you need to be monitored in a very well-defined setting if you are going to be taking a penicillin antibiotic. So we've covered a lot. This is getting a little bit closer to 20 minutes, and so I want to kind of wrap things up here. The big point, always be informed about the types of allergies you have or the intolerances that you have, and try to keep a list of those things so that when you go to visit your physician, and especially when you're seeing a new physician, you can pre present those things in a very well-detailed manner. That gives the physician who's treating you a much better way to look at things and a much easier way to determine which treatment may be the best for you. Also understand the difference between an intolerance or a side effect and a true allergy. True allergies are what we call hypersensitivity reactions, and they're mediated by the immune system, and they can be very dangerous. So they're much more important than an intolerance, which is also important, but doesn't necessarily cause death as a side effect. And finally, that difference between causality and correlation. It's important not only here when it comes to medications and what reactions you may have to them, but also in a lot of other situations, just because you have a runny nose, it doesn't mean that you have an infection. Just because your snot's green, it doesn't mean that you have a bacterial infection. There are some things that go along with each other that don't necessarily have a causal relationship, and that's incredibly important when we talk about medicine. 
we as human beings have set up in our minds this easy connection. Um, sometimes we talk about stereotypes. This is another version of a stereotype to assume that because one event follows another that they may be causally related. Most of the time, though, they're really just a correlation and just happen to occur at the same time. It's amazing how random being random can be. This is Dr. Jerry Tolbert, and here's to your health. The contents of this podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Uh, the physicians involved do not in any way guarantee or warrant the accuracy, completeness, or usefulness of any of the messages presented herein and will not be responsible for any of the content of any message. For all medical questions, always consult your personal physician for any specific medical advice.